You're listening to the pre-snap podcast presented by LineStar. Insight and analysis from the minds of fantasy football experts. Fantasy football advice and strategy from two of the top minds in the game. It's time to lock it in and win. Here are your hosts, Michael Rathburn and Joe Pizzapia. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joey P, Joe Pizzapia, and welcome to the pre-snap right here on the Line Star app. It's me, it's Michael Rathburn, and we are breaking down week 11 for you in DFS. And Michael, it was uh, another pretty darn good week, I would say, for the podcast. Uh, how'd you feel about your week 10 before we start to look forward to week 11? I felt good about a couple of things. Uh, you know, felt like uh, where we took some swings. Um, we took some big swings. We got some big hits. Um, you know, definitely had some misses as well. But I think kind of what what really what really got into my head is it's not about how many you get right and how many you get wrong. It's how um, when you take a stance and you take a shot, like you know, we took a shot on Aaron Jones and it was a huge hit. So right. it doesn't count as a single. It counts as, you know, kind of like a home run. I agree. Um, you swing for the fences. And if you right. have a run, so you're hoping we, you know, we get some home runs, uh, out of these, out of these GPP recommendations or, you know, I mean, look, we missed, you know, Duke Johnson didn't do well against the Falcons and, you know, we didn't have Nick Chubb. Um, but you know, the one thing I, it, it feels like on a consistent basis week to week, we've really been able to nail game, you know, game predictions and game scripts. Um, and look, the Colts were a perfect example of that last week. And I had mentioned, you know, Eric Ebron was $3,500 and why? Uh, and, and he went nuts. He had three touchdowns in the first half. And it was like, you know, those are the kind of things that when you mention them and hopefully somebody will listen and put that guy in at least one lineup, Boy, we talked about that. We talked about a Luck Hilton Ebron stack last week. How many people were on that? Um, <laughs> so, you know, what I'm hoping for is that when we when we take swings, we hit big home runs, and I think we've been we've been able to do that. And then being able to predict how some of these games are going to go, and um, you know, being on the right side of things, and. Uh, Look, a lot of times when we're on the wrong side, everybody's on that side. Right. So it doesn't hurt it doesn't hurt us as much. But the thing that you want to be is you want to be on the right side when not a lot of people are on that side. That's the whole goal of DFS is really trying to figure out what no one else can and be right. Right. That's the tournament separators we always talk about here on the program. And this week, it looks like certainly a potential high scoring games. That's for damn sure. Uh, last week seemed very sort of wrote and of course we got some wacky things that did happen and that's always what happens whenever a slate looks like too good to be true too obvious there's always going to be some weird wrinkles this week it looks like there could be a lot of high scoring now we'll see some of these totals like you know the Kansas City total with the Rams is is enormous you know we'll see if we think they can hit that or not as we continue to go through here but looking at the slate too Green Bay and Seattle are off because they are already played on Thursday and if you listen to me on the fantasy black book show when you know Rath talks about how we break down games, exactly how I broke down that one, and that's exactly what happened. Seattle played tight. That's what they do. They always hang in there. They play tough, and sure enough, they got a W. And Aaron Rodgers is still winless, winless on the road. Inter- I'm going to interject real quick. Yeah, go um, ahead. I th- to me, I'm not a Seahawks fan. I'm a Patriots fan. That's where I grew up. I am becoming a Seahawks fan, and I hate Brian Schottenheimer. I've, I've despised him. But here's the thing, man. I don't think there's any team in a league that plays as hard as the Seattle Seahawks. They, they don't have, they, they don't, you know, and they don't quit. They don't, they don't have the talent like they used to have. And people can rip them and say that they don't, they don't win in their week schedule. I watch this team every week because what happens is when we only have three late games, you see a lot of those late games on red zone because they just have to keep going back to it. Right. Seattle is the hardest playing. They, 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 they don't they quit. The there's no quit. I've seen. There's no quit in this team. And this is what no. this is what they've done every day. It starts with the quarterback. It starts with the quarterback. There's no quit in them. They run the football pretty well and much better than they did last year. We all know that. Yep. And they've got more options running the football. Even Penny, you know, he was limited, but he still showed you why with that 30 yeah. yard run, why, you know, you want him on your roster. And Doug Baldwin had a bounce back too. And I, and you know, to bring this up too on the Black Book show this week on Thursday, I said on Thursday morning. 
put Doug Baldwin back in your lineup. He's saying he's the healthiest yeah. been all year. He feels great. And sure enough, he had a touchdown. He caught a bunch of his, he had a huge target volume, the biggest one he's had in weeks. That's what you want. He almost had two touchdowns on that one too. But uh, looking at who's not available besides Green Bay and Seattle, Chicago, Minnesota, Casey Rams, which is really, you know, one to take out that could be super fun. So that's, that's a shame. And then of course you got the bye week teams, which are not, you know, Buffalo Jets, meh. New England, Miami, so the whole AFC. No, I don't think we're getting killed there. Look, this is a week that um, outside of KC and the Rams, um, I don't think we're being hurt all that much by the teams that are not in the main slate. I think we're still no. fine. No, we are. We're, we're still good. And But, you know, what's, what's tricky about it, too, is uh, I think when you look at it, you're taking some of the bigger quarterbacks off. So you're taking Mahomes, you're taking Goff, you're yeah. taking Brady, you're taking Rodgers, you're taking Wilson. That's a lot of QBs. So we're going to dive into that and uh, get that on there. Also Trubisky as well. Cousins, you know, and even Baker Mayfield, who had a pretty good game last week. He's too. been consistent, man. And I was on him last week and uh, I forgot to mention, you know, I wish we were on Chubb because he was like 12 for 12 in the first half. And, you know, look again, just low ownership, uh, right. you know, 5,500, 5,200, whatever he was at a gross ownership. And he went out there and he put up a pretty good game. Yeah, and wide receivers off the list. You got uh, none of this, none of the uh, Minnesota guys. You got Adams, who had a huge game. He's off. No Hill, Woods, Cooks, Edelman, Gordon, Landry. Running backs off the slate. You know, no Cook, no Hunt, no Gurley on the main slate. So that's a game changer too, because when we're taking somebody off in cash games, who's been as popular known as Gurley and such a lineup builder. Yeah, it's really time to reevaluate things and and get well, out the of number it. one number one cash running back in Gurley, number one cash wide receiver in Thielen. Right. So definitely, you know, what that does is it, it flattens out the ownership. And right. so they're in, in, in number one quarterback in Mahomes. So um, it flattens the ownership pretty much. Um, although I think at QB, we've got a couple of guys that are going to be outliers, but you know, it's going to flatten the ownership out quite a bit. So there's not going to be, and also there's no $3,500, $4,000 guy this week at running back a receiver that's jumping off the board right now. Right. So it's a pretty even distribution of ownership this week, which means um, it's going to it's going to make for, you know, a lot of lineup diversification. All right. And it's time to get diverse. We're going to break and we come back. We're going to start breaking down these games. We're going to start in New York where there was snow yesterday, but everything looks clear by the weekend. I'm not happy. I got to go clear off my car before I even go in this morning. You're listening to the pre-snap with Joe and Rath. We'll be right back after this. The pre-snap podcast is brought to you by LineStar. Transparent projections, simplified research, advanced signals, and top-rated apps. Dominate DFS. Download for free at LineStarApp.com. All right, let's start New York. Well, New Jersey, really. Bucks at Giants uh, opened up at minus one. Now it's minus two. The total is at 52. Uh, Look, when you look at this one, you have some primetime players here with Saquon Barkley, with Odell Beckham, and with Mike Evans, who's still a premier talent. And you've got really questionable quarterback play where you just don't know what you're going to get. Last week you had um, Fitzpatrick go over 400 yards and barely be able to. Yeah. And was my cash game quarterback and I wanted to puke. I mean, I know, I know what luck, you know, it happens to the best of us, but look, but but here you go. Here's a chance for redemption here. And I got to ask you, how do you feel this one's going to go now? Because they were able to move the ball. They just weren't able to hurt. Can they convert against the giants? And conversely, can the Giants do enough with their high-ended skill players to really make some noise here in this one uh, in terms of daily fantasy? Yeah, so <clears throat> the thing that's difficult with the Bucks is the Bucks can go up and down the field with anybody, but they just have so many turnovers every week that they, they're averaging like three turnovers a game, which really you know kills um, scoring on their side. Look, we know their defense is bad. It's not improving. Um, but the issue with the offense is, uh, this whole dirt cutter calling the plays, not calling the plays. It's like, you know, clearly this guy figures, you know, a lot like Hugh Jackson, oh, everything's going to run through me. Well, you know what, bud, you're probably going to be out of a job at the end of the year. And that's probably why he's calling the plays. He figures, Hey, if the ship's going to go down, I want to make sure that I was the captain and I didn't let somebody else, uh, screw me out of my job. So. I think that's the whole thing with Dirk Cutter is this ulterior motive on him trying to save his own job, which probably isn't going to happen. Uh, look, the, you know, in spite of all the garbage that the Giants have dealt with, this team still plays hard. I know everybody wants to rip them every week, it seems. 
And now it seems like the Green Bay Packers and Mike McCarthy are kind of the the team that's getting ripped like crazy. Um, most you know, McCarthy. I talked about that today on on, on my All in Sports show. You know, I'm, as much as Mike McCarthy's to blame, last time I checked, doesn't a Hall of Fame quarterback get to go up to the line and change a play? I mean, you want to talk about the awful play calling? Doesn't Aaron Rodgers get any responsibility for going? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know but, about that. Why, but why? Why not? Why not? Is he is he not allowed to? Does he feel like he's just being a good soldier? Or when does he say, "Hey, I'm Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to go"? Yeah, I mean, you would think nonsense. that he would get the Peyton Manning. Um, you know, he does. He gets the. There's no way he doesn't get the Peyton right. Manning, Tom Brady ability to go and change a play. I don't want to hear that. If he doesn't, then then he is not as good as everybody says he is. So jumping back into the Giants, Bucks. Sorry, I got a lot. Um, look, of that's okay. Um, it's okay. Tangents are fine. We just want to make sure we don't get derailed. Uh, look, the Bucks. Uh, I've been talking about the Bucks on the road all year. They're two and thirteen. The last fifteen, they've lost eight out of nine on the road. Those games have gone over the total eight out of nine, and we've got these crazy scores like 88, 58, 63, 71, 70. Last five road games for the wow. Bucks. I mean. I've, you know, I've gone back and forth. The only reason I don't, I, I've got this total at 61. So it's kind of a little bit to the lower side of the last five games on the road. And the only reason I've done that is I don't know if this, I, 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 I dropped the bucks a little bit with the cutter thing. Um, just a tad. I've got them at 27 points. Normally I might have had them at 30 or 33. Um, the Giants, I got a 34, and really because they, their defense is is okay, and also it's 40 degree weather, and I still think that's going to impact the Bucks a little bit, and I think that it's just going to slow the game down just a little bit. So again, I'm just saying that this game's not going to go crazy and be in that 70 to 80 range, and uh, I think it's going to be you know I've got 34, 27, so certainly still value on the Giants. Um, we'll talk about that when we get into the positions, but, um, yeah, the quarterback thing, I'm going to be off both quarterbacks this week. Uh, I think there's other games and other positions, uh, other situations that are more predictable. And, uh, so I, I just don't you know, look, this game could be 24 20 as well. So mm-hmm. that's my concern is that right. both teams just stink it up on offense and don't, you know, don't go anywhere. All right. Panthers at lions open up at three and a half. Now it's minus four. Total started at 51 and a half. It's come down to 49 and a half. So it dropped, uh, dropped a little bit there. Uh, Panthers, look, uh, they coming off a, a, a terrible loss, but a longer time to prep and really let that loss sink in there. How do they respond here against the Lions? Do you think this is a big response here with Christian McCaffrey and company against this? Lions? Yeah, I don't I don't penalize. I don't penalize the Panthers for that loss. Look, it was a bad spot. It was on the road at Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is a dark horse in the AFC right now. I don't think anybody's talking about Pittsburgh. We'll get into that a little bit later, but I think Pittsburgh is a is a sleeping giant in the AFC and could really make a run. Um, I like the Panthers in this spot because um, look, they're not great on the road, but <clears throat> this is interesting where they're going to go play on turf in a dome, which is opposite of what they do at home, where they're on grass and outside. So I think that the speed with Cam and with McCaffrey and with DJ Moore. I think it's really going to play up in this spot. The Lions have lost three in a row and they don't look good at all. It looks like this team has given up. They got shredded by the Bears last week. I mean, it was it was gross. Um, and the and it Panthers, looks like they're going to be without Marvin Jones too. Right. The and, Panthers and, don't really play like that. Like no Marvin Jones. So that's going to be difficult. You know, how are they going to be able to move the ball? Um, I, I could see a situation where the Panthers get up and the Lions get some garbage time maybe. Um, I think the Panthers circle the wagons. I think they come out and they win big here. Um, I think this game is going to land right around the total. I don't, and that number from what I've been told, the total has gone down two points is that there is heavy, sharp money on the under in this game and that there's a contention amongst the sharp betters that it's going to be a big McCaffrey game and that, yeah, so that they're just going to slow the game down, and so I've got a thirty to twenty. Um, I, you know, some edge with the Panthers for sure. Certainly, don't really want any Lions in this spot. Uh, if you are going to stack the Panthers, you probably want to have Galladay, you know, Galladay on the other side. Um, I'm all about DJ Moore. We'll talk about that in the wide receiver, but I agree. I think DJ Moore is in a very interesting spot this week. We'll talk about that a little bit further, but. 
I'm all over DJ Moore, and that's kind of, you know, my guy I'm taking a stand on this week. All right, Cowboys are Falcons. Falcons opens at minus three and a half. Uh, total open to 48, now 48 and a half, so not too much movement there. Look, Falcons coming off a bad, you know, it's funny, they go and they win on the road against Washington, and then they go and they, they lose to the Browns. And yep. and now, you know, they've got Ezekiel Elliott this week. And, we, you know, we, we've always tended towards looking at the running backs to catch the ball in the backfield too. And and with Chubb, we were, I think, I think for all of us, we were kind of still living in six weeks ago with Chubb and not really sure what the commitment was going to be from him. Yeah. But the commitment was there last week. Therefore, the total was. There's no question what the commitment is to Ezekiel Elliott. Sure. Therefore, is he one of these guys where the chalk and the ownership is going to be high, but it doesn't matter because the matchup is just so damn good you can't pass? Early projections are, this is the thing with Zeke. We'll get into this a little bit in depth with the running back uh, positional preview. Um, he's actually priced up. Now, what's interesting is normally a Sunday night game is not going to be priced into um, the player's salary, but I think he got priced up based on matchup. So he got priced up into the upper tier, and he's not being um, projected as being owned in the upper tier because the team total is 22 and a half. So I think that uh, for me, Elliot is going to be my number one running back in GPPs this week because it looks like he's going to be less than 10% owned. There's a huge uh, group of running backs this week that people are going to be on. He doesn't look to be one of them. And the Cowboys have not really been able to score on the road up until last week, but this is against Atlanta and Atlanta typically is going to get, you know, into the upper twenties, into the thirties. The Cowboys do play it slow. They play defense, they play run, but I can see the Falcons pushing the pace a little bit in this one. I've got a Falcons 27, 26, which is uh, about four and a half points above the posted total of 48 and a half. I like, so I, do, you. I like where you're at with this game. Probably. Yeah. I like the Cowboys. I, I don't know if the Cowboys can win two straight road games. I've got it super close. I've got a 27, 26. I think the Falcons win at home. They've been good at home. The Falcons still have something to play for. They still have an outside shot at the, at the six seed. And I'm telling you, much like the Seahawks, this team doesn't quit. They These don't, but you know hard. what, though? They also don't tackle. And that's no, the and that's the thing is they are shorthanded. They are shorthanded. Running backs tear them up. We saw what Chubb – look, the Zeke play for me is not as much – I'm hoping he catches some balls out of the backfield. I'm hoping that Jason Garrett can figure that out. But it's the possibility of him breaking off a 60 or 70-yard run that really – I mean, you get a 60-yard touchdown run, that's 12. Right. And I I think, and I would be, if you have to put money on that, I would be more on the side of him getting that than not, because I think this, this game has big Zeke play in the Dalmont turf. Absolutely. With their secondary issues. And coming off a game where you have a little bit of confidence, Rath, where, you know, you went into the Philadelphia and you beat them. They own Philly. They've owned them. I mean, they've absolutely owned them, but they, yeah, that was a huge win for them. And I think it carries over um, whether or not they win this game. I don't know, but I like your total more than the projected total. hundred percent. We were much more in lockstep Texans at Redskins here opened up at minus two and a half. Now minus three total opened at 43, went down to 42 in this one. So Texans are coming off a bye, uh, six game winning streak as well. And I guess the question is, can the Redskins stop the air assault of the, te- uh, uh, of the, can the Redskins stop the air assault of the Texans? And they've got an extra time here to get Demarius Thomas up to speed. Kiki QT also supposed to be trending in the right direction for this game. So there's just a lot of weapons. And I feel like in a war of attrition, the Texans are just going to overcome anything that even if Houston keeps us close in the early going, I can't see them hanging with them for four quarters. All right, so we're going to disagree on this a little bit here. All right. Um, I don't I don't really think this is a matter of the Redskins stopping the Texans' air attack because the Texans have stopped their air attack. They're not throwing the ball. And Watson isn't gone over 25 attempts, I think, in like three or four straight games. This team is playing different. This team is playing defensive-minded right now, and that's the way the Redskins play. We saw 16-3 to last week against Tampa. I think this game is going to be ugly. I've got a Texans 20-13. to I'll be honest with you. I think it could be even lower than that. I think this is the ugly game of the week. It wouldn't be shocked if this is like 16-13 or 16-9. I just, the Redskins are are tough at home. Look, the, the Falcons blew them out, but a different offense. They play to the under at home. The Texans are on, you know, the Texans are playing a lot more slow down here. I just, 
I, this game's got underwritten all over it to me. It's a it's a non-conference road game. The motivation's not as much there for Houston as it would be normally if it was in conference or if it was a division rival. I just, you know, especially coming off a bye, I don't think the bye is going to help the Texans at all, especially because they've been on a six-game win streak. I think they go in, they figure out a way to survive, and they leave. Um, outside of maybe a little bit of Hopkins, I, I don't mind having some Texans defense this week, but this game's good fade all over as far as I'm concerned. I agree from a fantasy standpoint that I would fade it because I think there's potential for what you're talking about, but I've also seen the Falcons go in there and just blow them apart. And I think that Houston can do that. I I agree. Certainly the trend. Yeah. The Falcons play that way because they kind of have to, that's the whole thing. You're right. The Texans Texans are playing a much different kind of football right now. And they're not going to change from the way they're playing because they've won six in a row. Like I said, I think part of the reasons why the Texans played the way they've been playing is because they have had a lot of injuries to the wide receiving core when they lost Fuller and then QT went down to, and it kind of, they had to pivot off. Watson's not a hundred, wasn't a hundred percent. Watson wasn't a hundred percent, but I feel like after the buy, it wouldn't shock me if they came out guns a blazing and Demarius Thomas was up to speed. And this is, this is more like the team we see in the, and and I don't know which version is better for the Houston Texans long-term this season. If but the I'm game just, was in Houston, I would probably tend that's to. Fair. That's but, fair. Um, oh, and, and, and I'm saying I, I agree with the fade yeah. because I do think this game has exactly the potential as well that you're saying, where some of these other games we think it's obviously there's no yeah, way. Yeah. You know, all right, let's get to another game too. Where we're still trying to figure things out. Bengals at Ravens, quarterback situation still questionable here. Uh, prediction right now, it looks like minus 47. Sorry, uh, minus four. I should say minus four. Oh, I'm sorry, minus um, four. Pardon me. Yeah. Um, uh, minus four, and then the total forty four. Look, eh, all kinds of injuries over here on the on the Bengals side. Um, mixing doesn't look like he's going to be 100. percent If Green does play, I, I don't think we've got enough. No, nah, Green work. Green's out, man. Green's, Green's out, not right? playing. Yeah. I, it's not like if I'm if I'm the Bengals, I'm probably not playing Mixing. I don't. I mean, especially if Geo's going to be able to come back. Um. I, I don't know, man. Mixon already had the knee surgery this year. It sounds like he's having complications. Look, the Bengals season's over. I, agree. I don't think there's any reason why they should risk uh, Mixon being out there, but we'll see. Um, their defense has been shredded the last four weeks, and they've got massive injuries at the linebacking core. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know how obvious that is to people, but I think it's going to be very obvious to the Ravens, and I think the Ravens are going to want to run the ball down their throat, which is why I like Alex Collins. Um, especially if we've got a backup quarterback in Jackson or Griffin or a little bit of both, the Ravens are in trouble, man. I mean, Harbaugh is rumored to be leaving at the end of the season. They still have an outside. Look, I had high hopes for the Ravens this year. I thought the Ravens were a sleeper team in the AFC and they've lost three in a row. They've lost four out of five, six out of the last seven games. have gone under the total a lot like this Texans Redskins game. I don't see a lot of scoring. Uh, this game could get very ugly. I've got it Ravens 24-13, and the only reason I've got it 24 is I think the Ravens are going to put up a defensive touchdown. Yeah, well, well I, I could certainly see that happening. And and look, when, when you're talking about Harbaugh potentially leaving, it's a tough one because it's like, where are you going where you, with your next coach? I mean, this is a guy who's done a great job. He's He kept you competitive every year. He's been in one a Super Bowl. It's, it's difficult. I understand sometimes you just want to change your regime and all that stuff for the sake of change, but at the same time, there's always that question of, well, what's the plan? Like, where are you going next? And I, I, for one, would love to see Lamar Jackson play in this game because it would just be fun to see some new blood in there and see what could happen and then see where I think at. it's a good. I think it's a good spot. You always want to pick your spots with a rookie quarterback. It's at home against a beat-up defense. And yeah, let, so. him, let him run, man. Let him run. Look, if Jackson gets on the field, he's going to get 50, 60 rushing yards minimum and a touchdown. He's going to have a minimum of 12 points with his legs. And then if you just you look, remember, I mean, look, man, everybody wanted to rag on Tim Tebow, but Tim Tebow, you would wake up and he'd have 25 fantasy points. And <laughs> he, had he would have 150 yards passing. Right. One, it was the one, ugliest 25 you'll ever see. Right, and right. one touchdown, but then he would freaking have 75 rushing yards and a touchdown. I mean, just, I mean, that guy saved me. In, yeah. in, in seasons, in, in weeks. Um, so that's the thing, man, is, is, a, is, is rookie quarterbacks or young quarterbacks that can run present huge value if they get on the field. And Jackson is one of those guys. So, you know, let's see. Well, you know, he had an illness. Nobody said what the illness was. 
but he didn't practice on Thursday. So look, you have to think that whatever he had had to be pretty serious because they need him practicing. Yeah. So it could have been, a, you know, what kind of illness would keep a guy off the field? Um, food poisoning, um, sinus infection where he just had massive migraines. I mean, this guy didn't have the sniffles. This guy must have had something that affected him. If, if Jackson is is the starter and Flacco's out for the game, we'll say out. Let's just put it that way. Let's, let's say yeah. that happens, right? Is, is there anything to, for that reason, you know, really going, hey, you know, Lamar Jackson, cheap, let's throw him out there and you gotta see. You've got to have, so you got to have a piece of him, man, because it's yeah. going to allow you to, to be like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pair him with anybody. I would oh, just, no, 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 no. and then stack, you know, would you pair him? Well, I was going to say, would you, would you stack him with Collins and, no, okay. no. You want to keep those guys separate. Okay. Um, what I would do is, um, I mean, you might want to play the Ravens defense with them, but um, I would look and say. That makes you know, a lot of sense. You know, give me, give me Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and Zach Ertz, and I'm just going to load up and play, pay up for the St. Right. Eagles and, you know, go from there. And then maybe I can get a Zeke in there. Maybe, you know, that would be the kind of thing is I'm like really wanting to get some mega pieces in that lineup. And hope, you know, and really look at one or two games that I think are really going to go off. All right, let's talk about this one. The Titans coming off a huge win against the Patriots at home. Uh, They're facing the Colts. They're going to go to Indianapolis this week. Minus three, now minus one. Total opened up at 48, went up to 49. Mariota's this is the healthiest he's been all year. He looked good in this last game. And, you know, the Titans are one of these teams that like to drag down, you know, teams to kind of play in the mud with them a little bit. And they, I've always said that on defense, they are always chippy and tough and, and they and they show up there and there's another team that's feisty they've just not been able to move the ball offensively but last week i guess the question is i mean you're a bats fan like i am so i'm curious do you have the sense that this was a mirage last week or is this maybe things starting to trend in the right direction for you for, uh, it was almost a mirror image of the lions game in that you could tell they had the playbook the Lions and <laughs> Titans had like the remember the Brady Bunch episode yeah. with Greg, Greg Brady and and Marsh's boyfriend <laughs> where they had the playbook. It was like they had the playbook. I mean, they looked so confident on every single play. It was almost like they knew what was coming. Well, shame on Belichick then, because if that happened twice in the same season, yep. I can understand it happening once and you're going, ugh, you know. But you got to throw enough wrinkles in there where you can, you know. They just- totally do- look. The Patriots don't get dominated. They've been they were dominated by the Lions. They were dominated. There were by three. The- there were three games this year on the road where they got their butt handed to them. One of them being Jacksonville too. Yeah. I yep. mean, it's but- a bad scene out there for them right now. Nah, I wouldn't go that far. Um, oh look! Oh look! I, look! You still at home? You beat Mahomes. You beat uh, Aaron Rodgers. You, you know, you've, yeah. you've done good work at home. But the way things are shaping up, you're going to have to go. The road to the Super Bowl is going to be on the road for them. And some, they'll get at least one home game unless things really break their way. Uh, you know, this is not like your classic. They're going to be, you know, 14 and two. It's more looking more like a 12 win season potentially. So that changes things. But going back to the Titans. So Corey Davis, big week. Uh, you know, a lot of pieces out there in this one. So do you think this 49 number is one that is actually, you know, maybe, uh, I think, I think what's happening is that people are not Vegas didn't post a 50 because it's like, Oh, it's the Titans. But here's the thing. The Titans typically play that grind out slowdown game at home, uh, which they kind of did last week. But look, you got, remember, remember what we talked about the Colts and the Jaguars last week. And I, and I was all over that game and I, same situation here. Um, I think the Colts are going to be able to push the pace. The Titans are going to, uh, the Titans are going to, the Titans are going to be able to move the ball against this Colts defense. Uh, the Colts defense just allows insane numbers to opposing quarterbacks and consistent week after week after week. They just, so as much as I don't like Mariota, I ha- I have to get on board this week. Um, the Colts have won three in a row. They put up 29, 42 and 37. This Colts team has a awesome offensive line. Luck doesn't get touched. He sits back there. He slings it. They've now got Marlon Mack. And I think you mentioned it a few weeks ago, and I agreed with you. This is a dangerous team. Very. This, this Colts team is I a, they were the best. They were the best under 500 team. That maybe it doesn't about. pop. Like They probably got to win the division. But if it doesn't pop this year, 
watch out for them next well, year. Well, especially in the draft. If they have a good draft and they pull like free agency they, draft, if um, they pull, let's, let's say they pull in either one of those a real serious like linebacker. Hey, Le'Veon Bell. Well, I mean, the hard part is, do you want to wrap your money up? Now, I don't right. have a problem. That's the thing. They may not, but I'm just saying that well, Marlon Mack's second half is going to depend a lot you know, on whether or not they get into that sweepstakes. But if I was them, I would keep what I've got going there. Yeah. Because and just bolster the defense. If they're going to spend the money, spend it on defense. You go out there and they still need another wide receiver. And it's a good cornerback draft this year. Yeah. So I think they're, they so, steal a cornerback and a linebacker somewhere. All of a sudden, this, this it, team could really, really. Can it play. looks like the Titans have figured out the offense. It looks like Mario is healthy. I've got this to me is the over game of the week. I agree. As far as like, I've got a 31 30 Colts. Um, I think it could even go higher than that. I'm not going willing to push it higher than that. But again, much as I talked about a week ago, I like the Colts and the Titans here. And um, I like, I like both sides and uh, I like luck. Um, I'm not sure who to, you know, I, I don't mind pairing him with Hilton. I don't think I would go back to Ebron or Doyle. Mm-hmm. I would like Corey Davis on the other side. If I go Mariota, I go Mariota Davis and let's throw in John o. Smith or, you know, Hilton on the other side. But if you're going to roll, if you're going to roll with a stack on either one of these teams, you better make sure that you have at least one piece of the passing game from the other team, because it's going to be back and forth and it's going to be high scoring and you want to take advantage of that. All right. We're going to hit a break. When we come back. We're going to talk about a game that I'm struggling with. Maybe Raf can give me and maybe you a little bit of his insight. You're listening to the pre-snap with Joe and Rath right here on the Line Star app. We'll be right back right after this. The Pre-Snap Podcast is brought to you by Line Star. Transparent projections, simplified research, advanced signals, and top-rated apps. Dominate DFS. Download for free at LineStarApp.com. All right, Rath. So the Pittsburgh Steelers are heading into Jacksonville. And this one's got me all kinds of kooky in the head, man. The Steelers opened at minus five. A total of 47 and a half. Now it's at 47. You know, the Steelers coming off a huge win. They're in a spot where they're playing well. Defense has been playing a little bit better too. But historically, Jacksonville has given them all kinds of problems. And my problem is Jacksonville has really struggled this year. I am completely just tilted about this game. I got, I, I almost, I just want to run the other direction for it. Is totally that wrong? I have no I idea. I, I couldn't. No, look, man, if, if, here's the thing. The like Jaguars, if Jacksonville won this game, would that shock you at all? Because it wouldn't. No, shock no, but they got to win it like 23, 20, 20 Oh yeah, to totally ugly, totally. Yeah, yeah, and and they would have to really capitalize on the fact that. Look, I talked about it a few weeks ago. How this whole thing about the Steelers on the road, and really, you got to remember what here's what the narrative is: the Steelers win on the road. It's that they play slower on the road and they don't put up as many points because they don't play this wide open spread offense, no huddle on the road. And so that's what you got to remember. So the Steelers team total is 26 and I had them at their team total, but I got to tell you, I think I'm going to back off of that and drop them down a little bit to 23 to 17. I think it's really hard for me to get on board with the Jaguars at this point. Just because a team has to win a game doesn't mean they're going to. No, but the Fournette being back involved too, there's so much that gives me pause here. Where I mean, there's so many variables in this game when you talk about this Steelers team three. is playing, dude. This, this they are they're playing awesome. great. They're playing great, and I always feel like that's also a trap when that when I think about my. I think this is somewhat of a revenge game too from last year's playoffs. It is, and, and there's so many things where you can make an argument from the Steelers side. And I always feel like Mike Tomlin team sometimes this is exactly the spot where they have the hiccup and exactly the spot where you go, oh, and you're like, why? They and, usually, yeah. And then all the bell crap this week was like, yeah, okay, we're I moving know. on. Look, I actually bell. think the bell, I think the bell thing is actually a positive because now they can rip the bandaid and they're fine. They're done. Yeah. But, but I feel like that's been a distraction too this week. I don't think so. I mean, they were, they were raiding his locker. They cared more about his cleats than they did about him coming back. I, don't, I know, I don't but I feel like they should care more, more about Jacksonville than any of that. And that's the stuff. I think they are, man. I don't think, I don't think that they're. Well, look, I, I'm terrified from a fantasy perspective of this game. So I'm I don't know. No, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't, I don't think I'm going to own anybody. Look, here's the thing though. This is the difficulty is 
DraftKings slashes the prices against the Jaguars. So the Browns price is under 8,000. Connor's down to 7,200. It's like they've done just enough to make it so people are going to play them in tournaments. Well, Connor's the only one, I think, because... I think so. I think think it's hard, man. Every time you talked about the the way they play stylistically on the road, I think Connor's the one guy that I can make an exception for. Um, I'm on board. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I and and here's the thing. Going back to that Colts um, Titans, if you loaded up on some Colts and Titans, and you threw in a you know a sprinkle of Eagle Saints because you got that huge total game. If you threw in Connor at the flex, I think that's enough. Where it's like even if he, I don't think he would produce a dud. But let's say he put up like 16 instead of the 23 or 25 that you needed. I think you'd be okay um, because I think that you would hit on some of the other players that it, w- it would be fine. But if he happened to go over 100 yards and he happened to get two touchdowns, now all of a sudden we're in that 27 to 30 range, and that's when he would begin to pay off a huge. All right, let's go over to the Chargers hosting the Broncos. This opened up at minus seven for the Chargers, now minus seven and a half. Total 46 and a half uh, chargers getting Joey Bosa back on defense this week. That's a huge addition. Uh, certainly the, the Broncos two and 12 in the last 14 games on the road. This is not a good road team. This Thank just you. screams another big Melvin Gordon contest as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Um, so that being said, when you look at this one, I mean, what else is there to say except Melvin Gordon and maybe the chargers D also. I like Gordon. I like Gordon with Chargers D in a tournament because Chargers D looks like it's going to be under owned. Don't mind it in cash, but I'm kind of going other directions in cash at running back. Um, I don't mind Gordon, but I think you can go some other directions. Um, look, the Chargers 13 and three last 16, seven and one last eight at home. Clearly this team is playing very well. Could Broncos you imagine are- if they had a real crowd and had a home field advantage somewhere, how yeah. good this team might be? <laughs> Broncos can't play on the road. The Broncos, again, I've talked about it. This coach stinks. They've given up on this coach. They don't want to play for him. They've lost six out of seven. They traded off Demarius. Uh, They can't even cover point spreads on the road. They're three and 11, their last 14. So it just goes to show that this team, this team is not very good. They're a lot more name value than they are anything else. And um, I've got it. I've got the Chargers landing on their team total right at 27, but I've got the Broncos at 13 because, again, on the road they're not very good. And Bosa coming back, I think that they're going to be able to wreak havoc on Case Keenum, and it could be ugly. All right, let's go over to the Raiders at Cardinals. You want to see what rock bottom looks like? Uh, I think it's going to be Raiders at Cardinals. That's what I think. So <laughs> you're going to have this Raiders team that uh, I don't know what they're going into town with, but Cardinals are. Minus four right now. Now it's moved to minus five. Total up into 41. We saw Don't Goody be Trent. shocked if that's approaching six, six and a half. I, I, I don't I think was, it's going to hit. It's not going to hit seven, but that that number is going to go up again. I absolutely. Think. I, and it should. I, and, I, yep. and I think even then I'm comfortable with that number. And yep. David Johnson trending in the right direction. We've seen incremental steps, but certainly indicative ones that showing the arrow is going up for DJ right now in this offense. That's a good thing. Talked about him a little bit last week. And look, you know, I think this week you got to like him against Oakland. Yeah, there's still limitations and sort of upside of what scoring potential there's out there. But this Raider team right now, I mean, talk about fold up the tents. I mean, <laughs> Jordy Nelson, the, nobody, nobody wants to play. And I don't blame no. them. I wouldn't want to play for them either. Garbage. Absolute garbage. David Carr, uh, Derek Carr. Sorry. No, that's, that's a, right. We all do. Uh, There's yeah, not one um, of us in the fantasy industry that hasn't called him David. I, I, I would imagine he's going to get traded uh, in the offseason or um, uh, at the draft. And they're just going to look, if you're going to tank, you might as well tank the full you know, all the way and go all the way. Um, look, we've been talking about it for weeks. Um, the only issue that we had with the Chargers last week is, look, the Chargers really didn't, if you think about it, all they had to do was run Melvin Gordon and Rivers through the ball like 20 times or whatever, and they got out of there with a win. They're not going to risk injury. They're not going to risk their guys going out there and playing balls to the wall. Um, maybe in the past, the look, I, you know, I kind of said it, we kind of fall into traps of what a team used to be. And the Chargers used to be a team that would just sling it and not really worry about what the score was. And that's just not how they play anymore. 
And so, and we talk about that with Houston too, just like teams change based on personnel adjustments. Well, good. To injury. Yeah. So um, the thing about this is obviously the Raiders have zero motivation and they have no wide receivers left. So Derek Carr is just basically a sacrificial lamb right now. <laughs> and the Cardinals played really hard last week, man. They had, they, they, really they gave, the chiefs were sweating. The Chiefs were sweating that game last week, and Reed ripped them after the game and basically trashed the team. So um, I like what I'm seeing out of the Cardinals. They're at home. They're favored. It's a low total. David Johnson stacked with the Cardinals defense is certainly something you want to consider. And um, I think it's going to be heavy, heavy David Johnson this week. Oh, yeah. 100 percent. This could be the game that we're waiting for, like the David Johnson game. 150 total yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. Ding, uh, ding, ding. Yep. You know, he, he might, he, you know, it's funny. We talked about Ezekiel Elliott's price up and McCaffrey and these guys and everyone. 7,500 on DK. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just saying like, when you, when you think about that and it was just, you know, David Johnson's a guy not to get lost in the shuffle of potential big games. Let's talk about big game here. Eagles at saints. Uh, Eagles are limping, man. And then we talk about a team. that's all kinds of banged up. Saints open at minus seven and a half. Now it's minus eight. Uh, I, I'm surprised it isn't higher <laughs> to tell you the truth. Well, it has been as high as nine in some places, which yeah. honestly, man, I don't know. I think that's a li- that's a little bit too rich for my blood. I don't know. They've got a key defensive injuries though. And I know it's on the road. It's tough. I know. Total open up at 54. You, you never want to lay big points with a bad defense. And as much as the saints are, are playing, um, the saints defense is still susceptible. They are. They were susceptible, at least to the Rams, that's for sure. Uh, total opened up at 54. Now it's at 56. Uh, look, I already set this one up here as bad as I could, but Kamara and Ingram both ate last week. Uh, now you get this team at home, Eagles on the road. Uh, I know you mentioned Ertz earlier, but you know the, the weapons here, it's, it's kind of a – it's a lot of questions and not a lot of answers, I feel like, with the Eagles right now, whereas the Saints are just – I feel like the Saints smell blood in the water here. This will be another huge victory for them and a spot where they can really start to assert their dominance and really make a play for home field advantage with this final stretch run. Yeah, I just, um, <clears throat> again, uh, the, look, they crushed the Bengals last week. The Bengals are beat up there. That was a disgusting, I mean, they just did saints did whatever they wanted on offense. Yeah. Uh, Yes, the Eagles are not the same team as they were a year ago. Their offensive line is not the same. Their secondary is beat up. But they still have something to play for, and they still have Carson Wentz, and they still got a lot of guys on that team. I don't feel confident in predicting a Saints blowout against a quality team. I still feel like the Eagles are a quality team. Uh, I still feel like they're one of the six best teams in the AFC, NFC, and so I think that they're gonna they're gonna come to play, and um, I think that they're gonna be able to keep it close. Uh, you know, within a touchdown, I think it's gonna be a high scoring game. Uh, the saints have some issues on the offensive line. They, um, uh, Teron Armstead is out. It looks like they're going to get Andrews Pete back, but three other offensive linemen have been limited in practice. Uh, that may force them to want to go, you know, quick passing or just maybe not as run heavy in this spot. Again, you beat the Eagles in the air, you beat the saints in the air. And so it's just really hard to think this game is not going to get pushed into the 60s. Uh, so I've got it Saints 37-31. Um, yes, this Eagles secondary is in big trouble. Michael Thomas could go crazy. Uh, I think the difficulty in, in this game is figuring out who do you like on the Saints? Is it Traquan Smith? Um, look, look, there is no Ted Ginn. There is no Des Bryant. There is no Cameron Meredith. I know. Yep. There's no Brandon Marshall yet. <laughs> no. I mean, so, you, you know, a lot, kind of like the DJ Moore pick. I think, I think you have to look at Traquan in tournaments and just have him in some lineups. Just because I, don't, I don't think it's a bad idea at all. Because 4,000 or whatever he is. Look, a guy like that can pop 25. He popped a big, big game earlier this year. And look, he could go three for three for 120 in a touchdown. And, you know, all of a sudden we're at, you know, 23, you know, right. at 4A. So that's the thing about Smith. You know, he could either go for six. The thing is, you got to think about it, dude. 
Michael Thomas can't. He, he, they can't throw him to every single. I mean, you could get twenty <laughs> targets last week, right? They he's going to get. He could get twenty targets. <laughs> right. So now here's the thing, though. Does this mean that Kamara has one of those crazy receiving games this week? Because I, yeah, if, I think that's where it is. If they've got, if they're not going to be able to run the ball against the Eagles, they don't really have a proven wide receiver too, and. And we all know that Camara at home, Camara at home is a different animal. Camara no, at home, and in this scenario, I think and his price is down a little bit. He's not nine thousand anymore. Look, look, there's two running backs in the slate that have a potential of going for forty. It's Zeke and it's Camara. I agree. So I would agree. That's that's why you play Camara. Yeah, I think. You, yeah, McCaffrey is very tempting as well, but I I, I think yeah, you're right. he I think, can't go for forty. I think his cap. No, you're is, right. I agree. His cap because of the amount of you know and no Todd cost. and no Todd Gurley in the slate and yep. Saquon I think is a twenty five point guy. Um, Melvin is a twenty five point guy. David Johnson could potentially go off for thirty five, but I'm starting to talk about like that nuclear kind of game. Yeah, and nuclear could be Camara and Elliot this week. I think those right. are the guys that you want to look at. I agree. All right. The Line Star app, you can click on each player and see the results of each game along with what they scored, the metrics used for current weeks and projections. You can sort players by love, hate, salary, projected points, value, score, ownership, ceiling, floor, everything. We got it right here on the Line Star app. We're going to hit a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the stock up, stock down, whose price has changed, who's worth owning still, and who's worth avoiding. You're listening to the pre snap right here. On the Line Star app, we'll be right back after this. The pre-snap podcast is brought to you by Line Star. Take your DFS game to a whole new level. Build winning lineups with the best tools on the market. Download now at LineStarApp.com and start winning. All right, so here's the big changes on DraftKings. Uh, plus 1100 for carry on Zeke and Corey Davis. Obviously Davis after that big week, big jump there. You got Mariota and Ebron up 800. Michael Thomas. David Johnson, Galladay, Jeffrey, and Hooper all up 700. Uh, on DK, who jumps out at you as the one guy you think price goes up? I don't care. I'm still buying in. Is it Zeke because of the big game? Yeah, um, they might have dipped him a little bit because of the matchup against Philly. I think he's a little bit – he's at 8,500. He's a little bit overpriced, but I think that's matchup-driven. And uh, I, I can't argue with it. And again, the, the little bit more of a price is actually driving his ownership down. So I'm, I'm fine with it. Look, there's some, I think, you know, you don't blink at David Johnson. You don't blink at Kenny Galladay because there is nobody else. Um, so, you know, the price adjustments up makes sense, but I don't know. I mean, uh, on some of these guys, it's not scaring me off. All right. Let's uh, talk about the stock down 1100 down on Connor. 900 down on Hyde, 800 Cook Dalton, uh, 700 down on Antonio Brown, and then minus six on Reed, Mixon, Traquan Smith. Now, the Traquan at that discount, is that yeah. what's also starting to spark you is the fact yeah, that? Yeah, I think that, that, you know, I think once Sunday rolls around, I can see people gravitating towards him and him getting some steam and his ownership just getting pushed up because of the total and the price. But, um, you know, again, lottery ticket kind of guy i mean right that's that's the kind of profile that you want all right john new smith on the FanDuel side up 1100 after his big game same with dj up a grand 900 for lafell going up and 600 for ebron galladay for net mccaffrey and doxon so on the FanDuel side uh is it david johnson either up a thousand but still you know a really good matchup with a lot of all-purpose potential right yeah, David Johnson, Kenny Galladay, you know, two guys they definitely, you know, that's with Marvin up. Jones out, do you think, you know, a lot of people automatically want to put addition by subtraction. I happen to think in this scenario, the more targets that go Galladay's way, he can actually really handle it and he's good enough on his own. Do you agree or do you think this is one of those spots where uh be careful because the you know, the addition by subtraction isn't always a positive where all of a sudden it means, oh, Panthers, it's a good game for Galladay. Yeah, the Panthers' defense on the road isn't anything that scares anybody. So yeah, see, that's I I agree. That's yeah. that's what so I, I think. I think and, and Riddick could be another guy too. That um, you know, I don't have him written up, but you know, could be. You know, look if you had if you had Cam and DJ Moore, I you know I wouldn't mind having a you know definitely a Galladay. But if you went off a of Galladay and you went Riddick, uh, save money. I'm fine with that too. All right. Minus 800 for Dalton and Boyd minus seven for Mixon and Traquan. 
Uh, I think we're all just staying away from Cincinnati here, but Traquan oh, also yeah. low as well. So that's a spot where the price is down for a reason. Don't buy the hype. Uh, okay, price plays here. The key you say is that DraftKings are pricing is down on quarterbacks, yeah. and it's up on uh, obviously the skill set players. Fanduel prices it's up on quarterback, but it's not pricing up necessarily the skill players. So keep that in mind. The average difference between DraftKings and Fanduel this week is two thousand dollars at the quarterback position. Uh, how do we read into that, Brad? So this is something I want to talk about because one of the things I'm I'm consistently hearing in the industry and it's just misinformation is I'll hear people compare pricing on a player on, on FanDuel and DraftKings. And somebody will say, look, 90% of the time, the player is going to be cheaper on DraftKings and FanDuel because their salary cap is lower. Okay. That's common sense. I, I will consistently hear people in, in, in one single show say repeatedly, Oh, he's much better priced on DK. He's going to be better priced on DK. Their salary cap is less. Okay. That's what we call bad analysis. It's it's, it's just, and and unfortunately, it's done by a lot of people. And here's the thing that you have to realize. They price down the quarterback position on purpose because the quarterback position is flat. And they want as many quarterback, they want differentiation with stacks. Everybody starts off a stack with a quarterback. That's why they price it the way they do. So what you have to look at is you have to say, who has a price differential of at least $2,000 or greater on DraftKings? Who is really, truly a better value on DraftKings? The quarterbacks that are the better value on DraftKings this week, and it's been almost every week, Cam Newton, Matt Ryan, and Dak Prescott. And if Lamar Jackson starts, you fire him up. Those are the guys that are better values on DraftKings versus FanDuel because they have more than a $2,000 swing between pricing on both sites. Now, on the flip side, the guys that are a better value on FanDuel versus DraftKings, Carson Wentz by far is a huge value on uh, FanDuel. Mariota is also in play. And Eli Manning, who I'm not in love with, but he is cheap. I think Wentz and Mariota, to me, are key plays on on FanDuel because of the pricing discrepancy. All right, fair enough. Uh, I I agree wholeheartedly, and I hate lazy analysis. I I hate that. I don't know if it's – I think it's um, not understanding the pricing structure. But how? But you know, how can you not understand the pricing structure and pretend to host a DFS show? I I know. I I know. I know. Whatever. That's a that's a story for another time. Running backs. The average difference between DK and FanDuel is eleven hundred at the running back position. But uh, according to Raf's research here, uh, DK prices up the top running back, so there's a better value at the top of the FanDuel side than over at the low mid tier on DraftKings. And that means that on DraftKings, who are the three guys that you think are better values? So on DraftKings, you're never going to get value at the top. It's always going to be at the low and the mid tier. Um, Ingram, Mark Ingram has, has been a, a huge value on DK. Um, Alex Collins and Tevin Coleman. Again, I'm not recommending Tevin Coleman, but I don't mind Ingram and I don't mind Collins. I certainly love Collins this week on DraftKings, uh, because he's significantly cheaper, uh, based on the average difference in price. And then on the FanDuel side, you got Gordon, Elliott, and Barkley. Yeah, it's at the top. It's yeah. at the top. You know, you're gonna you, you want to pay up for guys on FanDuel, and you, as much as you can. And uh, look, it's it, if you want to punt tight end, punting tight end and punting defense on FanDuel is much more of a viable strategy because it allows you to pay up for the top guys because they are more at market mark like they they are more affordably priced. Mm-hmm. And the way that the salary, the way that the structures are. So look, you know, Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon, you know, all guys, you know, we didn't mention, I, I only list three, but David Johnson would be another guy in there too. All right. And the wide receivers, the difference is 1100 between DK and FanDuel. Uh, DraftKings pricing up the top wide receivers is a better value at the top on FanDuel, but better value in the lower mid tier on DK, which is good because yeah. if you look at the running back structure, it kind of inverts itself on both of the sides. So in terms of, you know, where you want to move your money towards basically. Yeah. In, in so pricing, case. pricing for DK wide receivers is you got to remember it's one point PPR with a three point bonus for, for um, the hundred yard receiving. 
So the way that I look at value on DK is I look at the top tier guys and I say, who are the guys that have the biggest price differential um, on DK at the top? Oftentimes, DK pricing on elite wide receivers is higher than it is on FanDuel. So that's why the FanDuel got, you know. So there's two guys this week that actually have been priced down a little bit on DK versus FanDuel, and that's DeAndre Hopkins and Antonio Brown. So I think that if you're looking for value in cash or GPP, I don't think it really matters. Those are the two guys that really present value this week. And if you want to go that, you know, again, I think Tom, Michael Thomas and Beckham are more of the cash game popular guys and Galladay and things like at the top. But I think Hopkins and Brown are going to have a little bit lower ownership and do have better pricing. Um, Brown's obviously been dropped because of the Jaguars matchup, but I think you got to like Hopkins in this spot because much like Michael Thomas, I don't really see Watson going to anybody else. All right. Fair enough. Uh, the tight ends, uh, the difference is 1800 at the tight end position. Uh, the better values you've got on the DraftKings side are Seals, Jones, John Smith, Watson, Ertz, which you think Ertz is mispriced on DraftKings. Tell us why. Yeah. So there's a big issue. Um, so Ertz is a 6,600. He didn't really go up off of the Sunday night games. His salary was already calculated. So, what would he have been if that 43 point game was factored in? I got to think he would be like 7,500 bucks. Fair. Also, when you look at Ertz, he is, if you compare wide receivers and tight ends, he's number seven in points per game. But his average, he's 6,600 versus wide receiver. If you take the top six wide receivers on DraftKings, their average salary is over $8,000. You're getting Ertz at like $1,400 discount, in my opinion, in a game that has the highest total in the slate. Uh, to me, I, I, I don't have a problem with somebody playing Zach Ertz in every single lineup this week. And on the draft, excuse me, on the FanDuel side, you got Ertz and O'Shaughnessy as your values yeah. as well. Uh, on defense, the average difference is 1200 The better values, uh, Raf says, is the Texans and Giants on DK and on FanDuel. Cardinals and Ravens. We're going to hit a break. We come back. We're going to talk about uh, all the chalk, all the fade and everything in between. You're listening to the pre-snap right here on the line star app. All right, let's start with the quarterbacks. The chalk this week are breeze Newton and Ryan less than 10% owned. Raf has Wentz, Mariota and luck uh, and you're fading rivers and Watson. So take me through these guys real quick, Raf, and tell me uh, who is the best chalk and uh, who is the absolute uh, state? I mean, I guess we've already said that Watson's the guy we're running away from, which which I understand your thoughts on that. Rivers, we talked about that as well. So let's let's just get into the chalk, guys. Who's the best of the chalk? I think Cam. I think Cam. Look, I think Breeze and Ryan are right there, but Cam's price is a little bit more discounted, and you've got that floor with the rushing and um, interesting matchup where they're in the dome, they're on turf. Uh, can certainly see Cam's rushing going up this week. And I could see him hitting DJ Moore on some deep balls. So I think Newton, uh, and he normally never approaches 300 yards passing, but I think he's got an outside shot. All right. On the running back side, the chalk is Kamara, Gordon, Barkley, McCaffrey, Connor, and Lewis, uh, which is funny because we've speak very glowingly about uh, a lot of these guys. The less than 15%, uh, you have Zeke in this group along with DJ Ingram and Collins. I, I think, you know, it's, it's surprising. Is it because of the, the price of Zeke or you think people just want to stay away? Uh, yeah, from the price is, I think the price is scaring people off as far, but you got to remember there's that group of guys, there's Kamara, Gordon, Barkley, McCaffrey, and David Johnson that are all like, all these guys are going to be 15, 20% owned. I think it just becomes a numbers game where people are like, Ooh, 8,500, 22 team total. And I'm going to back off and just go with other people. So, Again, that's kind of the methodology that you look at with Zeke because, again, I think Zeke could finish number one. He did last week. I think he could finish number one or number two this week. Yeah, and no fades really except for maybe Fournette, which... Yeah, it's a tough fade week. I don't see it. Everybody looks like they're in a smash spot. And I think, you know, I hear some people talking of Fournette based on what he did last week, and I just don't... I, I don't think I'm willing to go back. Well, look, it's it was one of those things where, I, I mean, I said it last week everywhere. If Fournette's playing, he's getting a full workload. That's why they waited. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so I don't, I'm don't. i not worried about the workload. It's just worried about the productivity of the offense. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. We, let's yeah. talk about the wide receiver chalk. Beckham, Thomas Brown, Allen, Julio, and uh, Juju. Less than 15%. Uh, Raph has Hopkins, Galladay, Corey Davis, Shepard, and DJ Moore. And he's fading uh, Mike Evans and Keenan Allen in this one. Now, I, I'm with you 100% on the two fades here. So let's go with the chalk uh, and talk about Beckham, Thomas Brown, Allen, this group. Who is your must own from the chalk that you love the most? Is it Michael, Michael Thomas? Thomas? Yeah, Michael that's, Thomas. that's where I would yeah. go to. Yeah, so, I mean, I, yeah, I, I would be very surprised if there was a whole lot of Brown and Juju love this week. I don't know. That's kind of wacky to it's me. It's projected. I don't get it, especially get it Schuster. I got to think that Schuster's ownership is probably going to drop, and Galladay or Corey Davis is going to move up above 15% and replace him. All right. Ref says Ertz is the chalk, but, you know, we already talked about how the pricing is not necessarily correct on that. So uh, it doesn't represent it. That means it's a good investment. Less than 10% owned Olsen, Ingram, Hooper, and McDonald. Fading Ingram. Uh, the Bucks are bad against the tight end. Uh, the Giants haven't thrown to Evan Ingram. But on the inverse of that game, too, something we haven't mentioned, you know, Giants always struggle against the tight end historically, too. Is O.J. Howard a guy that you want to bring into the discussion here in tight end? You know, I haven't talked uh, about it at all, and I haven't heard anybody say boo about it. No, and you know what? I I just I got one of those gut feelings about this. That's fair. It's totally fair. I know they threw the ball all around the field last week. Um, somebody's got to catch the ball, especially if Evans is one of these guys where we're kind of ho hum about maybe this week. Yeah, uh, you know what, man? I'm uh, come come to the dark side. I just I just I think I'm so focused. I'm so laser focused on Zach Ertz this week. That's no, that's true. fair. That's fair. If you're not laser focused, I'm just throwing out OJ Howard as one of those things where I've been on OJ Howard almost all year. I just, um, I know. And that's why I think it's so weird. You're passing on the juice right now, baby yeah. on the juice. Everybody like it a juice. All right, let's go over to defense special teams here. Uh, the chalk is the Texans Cardinals and Ravens. We've already spoken at length about uh, the reasons why. Uh, less than 10% Chargers, Steelers, Saints, Giants fading the Bengals, which, I mean, just too many injuries. I mean, I don't know why even anybody would People are saying uh, I'm, I'm seeing guys recommending the Bengals D based on uh, the quarterback for the Ravens. I, I wouldn't really. Do it. That's a terrible idea. I, I That's that's well, not a good enough reasoning at all. Um, no, no, yeah. no, no. They're the same people who don't understand the price structure. Those are the same shows. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about the less than 10% owned group because we really didn't hit those too hard. Saints, Giants, Steelers, Chargers. Are, are the Saints possibly a, a sneaky one this week? They are because of price. And it because um, the Philadelphia offensive line is not that great. And the game is a little suspect right yeah, now. Yeah, and I think it just like Wentz is going to, you know, throw the ball 40, 50 times maybe. And I think it's just a matter of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And if the Saints get a big lead and Wentz has to throw, look, Wentz doesn't make many mistakes but he could get sacked and he could fumble. So, or somebody else could fumble. And it, it's just one of those things where they are so the 2100 on, on DraftKings, And it's like, they are nine, you know, they are seven or an eight point favorite. And I think that's really what's driving it is that they're a big favorite. You don't worry about the total. They're a big favorite at home and you're paying nothing for them. And it's opening up so much else that you can do. All right. Let's end on this note, the projected team ownership, New Orleans, uh, Pittsburgh, the Giants, Chargers, and Carolina, the top five there. Uh, and um, But New right. Orleans is by far, just so you know. But New oh, yeah. Orleans is number one by far. Yeah, 91. Got yeah. That second tier of Steelers, Giants, Chargers, Panthers, Atlanta. But you mm-hmm. like fading Pittsburgh and Chargers in the top five, and I agree with both of those phases. Yeah, I just think a low, I don't think they're going to put up a lot of points, and I think that the ownership is over over in those in on those teams. I think that both teams could potentially not hit their team totals, and uh, now, not in love with them. In the yep. inverse, you got Baltimore, Jacksonville, Denver, Washington, and Oakland pulling up the bottom this of the slate. Gross. I mean, this it's is some gross. gross. But I guess the question is, does Lamar Jackson change that at all? If he Baltimore? could, he yeah. could, he certainly could, and that would that would certainly sway Baltimore up uh, into the top ten as far as ownership goes. But you know what's funny, you know. Number nine, Tennessee. Number 11, Indianapolis. Well, I was going to bring you to the next point where yep. you're saying the best value game of the week. And I, I agree 100% with you. I'm yep. right there. Right yep. there with you on that. Yep. So, uh, look, 
I think I think we've said all there is to say about week 11. But if you want some more help, you can check out the Line Star Weekly Pylon newsletter written by Ryan Humphreys. Uh, he gives you all the targeting, uh, all the breakdowns by position and ranks for each player in cash. And his, and his write-ups are some of the best in the industry. They are. I'm They're telling terrific. you right now, he is all over it. If you track his results, you have been winning money. That's right. And this is a subscriber-only feature, so yep. subscribe to the Line Star app. Yep. And in the meantime, follow Ryan over at Nitro DFS. He's doing some great work over here. We've done some great work, but uh, it's time to put in the rearview mirror. You can follow me uh, over on the Twitter machine at JoePizzaPia17. You can follow Raf at Fantasy Raf. For everybody here at the Lion Star app, we're out for today. Now it's time to set down win. Thanks for listening to the pre-snap podcast with Michael Rathburn and Joe Pizapia on the Lion Star Podcast Network. Have a question? Need more advice? Join the conversation at LionStarApp.com and we'll see you back here next week. Good luck.